don't stop. Wake up on Metro FM. Yeah, we about to get started. Never miss a beat. Yeah. Never miss a beat. What's news? What's news? In the air. Wake up on Metro FM. traffic coming up after seven. We'll find out what is on your mind this morning. And perhaps load shedding is because you are hot full. Well, we all are. Mm. I mean, at the point at which we're hitting stage sixes and now we have to figure out what our schedules are and the schedules are not all accurate, etc. It's a, it's a nightmare. And it's in the dark. So um, the situation, of course, worsens when workers at ESCOM can, uh, you know, decide to go on an unprotected strike. I do believe there's some sort of resolution there. But we all wonder how it's possible for workers at essential service companies like ESCOM to be allowed to just go on strike. Mm. Or, and I say allowed with caution, obviously. And what can be done to sort of bring an end to this sort of behavior sooner rather than later? Let's chat to labor law expert Aslam Mula now who joins us on the line. Good morning, Aslam. Thank you so much for your time. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me today. Are we all allowed to strike no matter where we work? In other words, does the law have limitations depending on where you work like an essential service provider? Look, Mo, the right to strike is contained in the Constitution. It's a fundamental right of every worker. The reason why is to balance the scales of power between employers and employees. However, there are certain procedures that need to be followed before you can go on strike. If a person follows those procedures, it becomes a protected strike. If a person doesn't follow those procedures... It doesn't become a protected strike, and you can be dismissed for that. However, even though you followed the procedures, Mm. there's a certain category of employees who work in essential services who are not allowed to go on strike in terms of the Labor Relations Act. Mm. Okay. Uh, Because because essentially, I suppose what I'm also trying to get to the bottom of is, you know, understanding the gravity of the situation – you know, is there no other way to resolve matters in, in cases like with ESCOM and employees so that it doesn't get to that point? Mm-hmm. Well, the two biggest unions, Mo, uh, NUM and NUMSA, who represent these kind of workplace issues are resolved. Mm. However, where we find employees that work in essential services, for instance, the SAPS, mm. water supply, mm. electricity, etc., mm. there is a a system that's put in place where these matters are addressed whilst ensuring that the minimum number of employees are still able to work to ensure that the most, the bare minimum service is still rendered to the public. So whilst we understand there may be valid concerns, for instance, wage increases, Mm working conditions, Mm. these are normal and valid concerns Mm. Mm. that might affect every employee. Mm. However, if you work in essential services, there are certain procedures that need to be followed. And if those procedures are not followed, no, then you face the risk of disciplinary action, which may even lead to dismissal. Aslam, it's Lindy here. So is disciplinary action the only action that ESCOM, let's say, would take in this regard? I mean, it's not the first we've heard of sabotage, right? Just last month Mm. we were dealing with cables that were cut at another plant. Um, Surely there should be, I mean, in my view, a treason charge that ESCOM could uh, institute against the employers who have actively sabotaged the plants? Um, And also, should it be so easy for workers to be able to sabotage such an important uh, utility like ESCOM? Hi, Lindy. 
I agree with you. It's, it is quite disappointing to see this. When we look at aspects relating to criminal uh, treason and where you're affecting the core infrastructure, mm. which really impacts the country, then those particular employees can be criminally charged. However, if you look at the options, I believe that the, the strike has been resolved. If it is continuing at the moment, then ESCOM does have a few legal options. The first would be to respond to the illegal strike by implementing what's called a defensive lockout. And what that means is to lock, literally lock out the employees mm. who are refusing to work mm. because they're engaging in an unprotected strike. Mm. And in place of those employees to hire temporary labor so that the minimum service is rendered. Mm. So that's one option. The other option is to approach the labor courts. Mm. Go to the courts and say, we need to function. Mm. Citizens, businesses, they need electricity. Please make an order compelling these, star these employees to come to work. Sure. And if those employees don't come to work, then they'll be in contempt of a court order. Mm. Yeah, options are, are plenty, it would seem, um, but also in the end, it's the end user, you and I, that um, ultimately suffer. And, I mean, this is in no way suggesting that, you know, the workers at ESCOM don't have any any matters that they want to be addressed, but there's got to be a way that we can resolve issues before things fall apart. Aslam, thank you so much for your time, and we'll chat again soon. Thanks, Mo. Appreciate it. All right, there we go. Aslam Mula, who is a labor law expert on that. And uh, as we asked earlier, if you work for ESCOM... What do you do at ESCOM and what is it like currently in, in the organization, right? How do you navigate uh, in these difficult times and what do you do there as well? And when you're out and about with family, friends, <laughs> what are some of the most frequently asked questions, FAQs, <laughs> for those people who work at ESCOM? 071-585-6157. Don't, don't stop. Wake up on Metro FM. Yeah, we're about to get started. Get started. Never started. miss a beat. Yeah. Never miss a beat. What's news? What's news? In the air. Wake up on Metro FM.